0: Hey, guys. For the podcast this week, I interview Garrett Larson, who is the CEO of Larson Waste, a big trash company down in Arizona, uh, and we hear his story about how he started, uh, took over the business from his dad, uh, and has has done a lot of amazing things, and he's still in his 20s. Um, so very cool interview. This interview is actually on his podcast, Homegrown Hustlers, and we're just repurposing it for this podcast. So enjoy the interview of Garrett Larson, CEO of Larson Waste. Mm. Hey guys, this is Kyle Rawson and you're listening to the Hometown Founder Podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs who are doing big things from small places.
1: All right, what's up everybody? Welcome to Homegrown Hustlers. I'm your host, Garrett the Trash Man Larson. And uh, today's going to be a little bit different. Um, Kyle here is actually going to be hosting the show, so I guess I'm not your host. I'm That's I'm right. your uh, <laughs> I'm your uh, person on the podcast. That's right.
0: Move over, Garrett. (laughs) New host in town. (laughs) Kyle's
1: taking over homegrown hustlers. (laughs) Um, Before we get going, though, like always, I want to give a uh, shout-out to our sponsor, Larson Waste, Um, only trash company that cares. Something about Larson Waste that I want to do in this read. Mm -hmm. Um, This week, I got a chance to have a a long yearly review, long discussion with each of our managers. And one thing that's really apparent is is we are the most customer-centric trash company that I think's ever existed. Yeah. And I don't say that like overstating it. I truly believe that, like, that has ever existed. We're the most customer-centric trash company. I, so.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Not that I have a whole lot of experience with other trash companies, but mm-hmm. I have a lot of experience with other companies in general. I don't yeah. think I've ever seen a company at all uh, care so much about their customers and treat their customers so well. And the fact that it's coming from a trash company is just like, it's unheard of, man.
1: It's different for sure.
0: Yeah. So that that's our read for Larson
1: Waste. Thanks for sponsoring the show, and uh, check them out on their social media sites. Um, it's, we're just Larson Waste across across the board, so
0: I'll turn the show over to you, man. Dude, let's get into it. Let's <laughs> get into right. the nitty-gritty.
1: <laughs> All right, dude.
0: I want to hear about your story with Larson Waste. Obviously, your last name is Larson, so it started somewhere in the family, mm-hmm. but I don't really know like your personal story, how you got into it. Okay. So is that cool? Can we talk about that? Yeah, yeah. So So you're right now, what's the situation? You're the like like you're you're the boss, uh yeah, what so, so my
1: title is uh CEO of mm-hmm. Larson Waste and my dad right now who started the company is uh we're kind of reorganizing things like that. Um It looks like he, you know, his title is chairman of the board of directors. Okay. So, so that's how it kind of fits. I I operate the company, uh, run it, you know, like a normal CEO does. Yeah. And uh, then my dad that started the company has kind of been less and less involved in the day-to-day operations and Mm -hmm. and is now the chairman of the board of directors. Gotcha.
0: So your dad was the one that started it. Yes. Cool. Second generation. Here, so yes, yeah, yeah, I'm the second generation. Yeah, so I'm fascinated by this like the dichotomy of the son taking over the father's business because I've got quite a few clients in that same situation, Uh and they're like the most successful one. Like there's something about growing up in the business or something that like these these guys that are taking over their dad's businesses are doing things that I like there's blowing it out of the water and yourself included I've seen, like some of your growth numbers uh-huh. so I want to dive into that if that's cool yeah absolutely so like when you were a kid was it like at 4 years old you were you're putting in 12 hour work days at Larson <laughs> Waste like how, growing up how what, what was it like
1: so the very first thing i remember doing at Larson Waste was and I had to be really young because I remember we were getting paid in ice cream cones, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, what we were doing is we were picking up the big rocks in the yard. Okay. So like we had like we probably had three or four trucks, I don't know, but uh, my job was to go around and pick up the rocks in gotcha. the yard. Yeah. The the big ones. So me and my buddy, we would go out there, we'd pick up the big rocks, and. For, for an ice cream cone, my dad would yeah, yeah. take us down to McDonald's, give us an ice cream cone. <laughs> you know, to me, it felt like we'd work all day doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea.
0: <laughs> Might have just been like 30 yeah. minutes or something. <laughs> yeah, because I
1: probably was like four or five, six years old. Yeah. Um, and me and my friend would be out there doing that. Um, funny enough, Dallin, lots of times, would be part of that. Oh, yeah. And so if you follow, follow us, you realize now that we've brought Dallin back on board um, with the company. and Yeah. And he's been pretty instrumental in what we're doing, so... Funny enough, he was part of that, but if I just kind of continue the story, I grew up um, doing different tasks. Probably the next, like, main thing I was doing was washing the garbage cans and Mm -hmm. uh, washing the garbage trucks, which... Always cracks me up because the guys we have doing it now, they kind of suit up in like a full suit, like a face shield and stuff. <laughs> Hazmat stuff. <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, what what I'd do is I'd, I'd show up and I'd take my shoes and socks off. I'd wear gym shorts and then I'd take my shirt off <laughs> and, because it was, it was super messy. Uh, so I'd get in there, I'd clean all the trash cans and... Uh, <laughs> And at the end of the day, just hose myself off and be like, all right, cool. (laughs) Call it good. (laughs) Yeah, now they're all, like, every inch of themselves is covered. They've got the face shield and everything. And it's pretty gross. There's some nasty things in it. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, so that's it, uh,
0: super funny, man. Times yeah. times changed a little bit. Exactly. So growing up, was it always kind of expected that you would take over the business one day? Is that what your personal goal was?
1: No, not really. It was uh and it was kind of a said thing like, Hey, we don't expect you guys to do this. And yeah. it wasn't that it was closed off like no one can. Mm-hmm. But my parents were pretty uh well, well they were really good if like they they didn't throw any expectations on us. So mm-hmm. as I got older and older um, junior high age, high school age. I would always do stuff for the business for for money and stuff. But I also started my own businesses.
0: Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, so cool.
1: I, you know, I I was doing detailing. I was doing yard yard cleanup stuff like that. Yeah. And I'd always have uh, Larson Waste. Like I'd clean the trucks, clean the trash cans, things like that. But I really wanted to uh, go off and and kind of do my own yeah. thing.
0: So you had your your day job with Larson Waste and your side hustles. Something like adults do back when you were a kid. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was kind of like that. Um, I was super into to really just football, so that's where most
0: of my time would get poured into. That's right. You like you like you played college ball, didn't you? Yeah, like, that was a big part of your life. Yeah, playing yeah. football.
1: Football was like like until I got back from my mission. Like I, my plan was to to play pro football. Oh, okay. Like people were like you're crazy. I'm like I, I don't care. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, but. Tasha's here with us today. <laughs> Can people see him on the yes! Facebook? <laughs>
0: Titans out, man. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: For those that can't that can't see, little Titan, Garrett son, is just laying on the floor <laughs> eating an Oreo. Eating a fudge cover Oreo, just oh, loving life. Living the life.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, it, it was a huge part of my life. But yeah, that's where it kind of would fit in, you know. I would schedule out these uh, details throughout the summer. I'd schedule out car details around my workouts and Uh around my practices. And then on Saturday, um, I had a buddy uh, that lived across the street, and he and I would go knock out as many garbage trucks as we could, getting them clean, garbage trucks and trash cans on uh, Saturdays. And Uh and then throughout the week, I'd schedule my details and lawn care and stuff like that. Dude, that's a
0: lot of – I mean, to play football at the collegiate level – requires in high school a whole lot of work uh-huh. and, and sacrifice. And on top of that, you were starting these random businesses on the side and washing the carts at your dad's company. Like, I mean, just work ethic alone, that's a lot for a teenager. Where'd that come from?
1: So I think it goes back to your point of like you're seeing businesses that are being passed on and, it, uh, you know, being – being super successful and guys being able to blow it up and whatnot, I think it goes back to what you see your parents doing. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people kind of view money as as a morally bad thing. Uh But uh, 90% of the time, if you have it, there was a lot of good that went into getting it. Um, I get there's like outliers of that. But most of the time, there's a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, a lot of different things that go into it. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of guys – or girls, whatever that see their parents doing that. That's kind of instilled in them. That's just mm. how it is. Uh-huh. Um, on earlier episodes, we've talked to my dad. At one point, he was running five businesses, uh-huh. um, and I remember he would truck all day, get home, sleep for a couple hours, go back, r- run the waste business. Like he was just working his face off, uh-huh. and so that was just how you did things. Like it wasn't. I never stopped to think and be like, wow, I'm working harder than other kids, whether it was in football or or outside of that. I was just like, this is what you do. Yeah. So I think a lot of these second generations or third generations when parents do it right, make their kids work, do those things or or even just offer it to work, I think it really sets it up for for huge growth, especially like in my case and I'm sure a lot of others, when the groundwork is laid, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, hey, you know, groundwork is laid. Now now Continue this work yeah. work ethic that I've been putting into this company for the past twenty years. Mm-hmm. I think it really lines it up for good opportunities.
0: That's interesting, man. So, because so you had this thing where like it's not like you decided to work super hard. I mean, obviously you did, but. More than anything, it was just instilled in you. Yeah, it was just how you, how you did things. This is what we do yeah, here would, in the Larson family. Yeah, we and just I, work our faces off.
1: And I honestly didn't think it was any different than anyone else. I thought that's what everyone did.
0: Yeah. And and you think it's because you saw your parents have that. that they were the example to yeah.
1: you. Yeah, because it huh. wasn't just my dad either. Because I, I know and I was actually kind of choking with my mom <laughs> the other day because she was talking about when they started the company. Uh-huh. The office was ran out of out of our house and she was like yeah my friend that was running a company as well her husband had a company we would joke because we'd stay up till three or four in the morning uh-huh. um doing billing or whatever the office side of things were yeah and then we'd go walk together every morning at 5 a.m
0: that's awesome and so
1: it was like oh hey what time did you go to bed Oh, three. oh yeah me 330 type deal yeah. and so it really was just like the way of being it wasn't yeah it wasn't like oh Hey, we're we're doing so much different than everyone else.
0: Yeah, dude, I've thought about that. So, so I've got two kids. Uh, one of them is three, and she her name's Claire, and she's super polite. Mm-hmm. Like she says thank you all the time, and you're welcome. But I'm like ninety percent sure the only reason she says those words is because she hears me say it all the time. Uh-huh. And I grew up in kind of the culture of. You always say thank you for everything, no matter what, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And I think I don't think she's actually polite. I think she's just it's just how mimicking. She is, yeah. yeah, she's just like, uh-huh. oh, this is what we do is we say thank you every time somebody hands us anything. Uh-huh. She's not actually uh, thinking through. I got to be kind and empathetic to this person. Yeah. And so I- I've been thinking about that a ton the past few weeks of how much parenting is just modeling the behavior that you think is right. And then it's instilled in the kids. And it sounds like that's the way, based on the way you were raised. There, there might be some truth to that.
1: Oh, I, I think there there definitely is. And one thing to that, and it might kind of go off the rails a little bit of just telling telling the story, but something I've been discovering lately is I've, I've hold, held on so tightly to, to hard work that I'm having to do a lot of work of actually separating that from the results a little bit, though. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and what I mean is a lot of times I would be working hard for the sake of working hard mm. and not for the outcome that I intended.
0: Oh. And
1: I think, like, as odd as that sounds, because most people are really on the other side of like, hey, let's start with working hard, mm-hmm. that uh, – I've I really tried to be intentional. of, Hey, I want to work hard to get these outcomes. I'm not just working hard because that's what you have to do to be successful.
0: Yeah. Um, if, if that makes any sense. No, it does. Uh, I'm on my mission. We, my, I had a second mission president that came in about halfway through my mission. Uh-huh. And uh, do we need to explain a mission here? Uh, I think we've explained it part. before. Oh, okay. And uh, and my mission president said, don't be busy, accomplish things. Yeah. And and when he said that, I was like, oh, man, that totally makes sense because a lot of people. Uh, don't they just kind of? I mean, if if they are working hard, then they assume they are doing what is necessary f- to have the fruits of their labors come to them. Mm-hmm. But when you're not intentional about things, there like no promises are made for you just putting your head down and getting to work. Yeah, you know,
1: it's a good starting point. I will I agree. say that. I agree. but yeah, if you don't get clear on your intentions, it's like, hey, this is what I'm going after, and mm-hmm. then be open. Like it may take a mountain of work Mm -hmm. and it may actually be a lot simpler than I realized and Mm -hmm. I can achieve that intention and move on to the next a lot quicker yeah Um, that's interesting so that's that's really been something that looking back at my life I've recognized I'm like holy cow like there was a lot I was doing Mm-hmm. that I didn't even need to do, that mm-hmm. I was trying to do for the sake of work, not for the sake of the intention that I was trying to get to.
0: Yeah, man, that's cool. But so, I'd much rather be working that yeah. way than, like, I can't get off the if couch. If you're going to err on one side, I'd rather <laughs> yeah. err on that side. Yeah, exactly. Just uh, So back to the story a little bit. Mm-hmm. You, played, you played ball. Yep. Uh, was that pre or post-mission? That, that was pre-mission. Okay. And then at some point in your life, you realized that football wasn't going to be your life?
1: Yeah, so on my mission, and since we're talking about that, I was kind of yeah. thinking, I'll come back, I'll play ball, you know this, that and the other. But the semester that I did play ball, I saw guys, it, it takes a really high level of commitment to play uh-huh. college sports. Um, incredibly high, way higher than I had anticipated. Oh, okay, I enjoyed it, but like a I, man, I, it, it was next <laughs> level. I was super surprised and super grateful for the experience. Mm-hmm. But what that comes down to is I saw some guys doing that with a family. And the sacrifices that were made and a cost benefit analysis of that. It just wasn't like, okay, I enjoy this, but is it really putting my family in the position that I intended to be? So when I got back from my mission, um, my wife, we dated all through high school. It wasn't, you know, decided that we were going to get married when I got back. We we realized we still wanted to get married and everything, yeah. so moving forward with that, it, it just didn't make sense mm-hmm. to put that time and effort into something that wasn't really going to help. Yeah, what I intended for my family, my yeah. family life to look like, and that's so that's cool. that's kind of when I stepped away from it. And that makes sense. Yeah.
0: It, and 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 regrets, or I mean, like, like,
1: no, not not regrets. Um, no, I I wouldn't say any regrets at all. It uh. Yeah. It. Couldn't be happier with, with how things have turned out. There's uh, some things that I'm like, hey, that would have been fun, but uh-huh. I wouldn't call it a regret.
0: Yeah. And even then, that, because that, I've got the same, I mean, it's not really regrets. It's more uh, just you love the idea of something more than the practicality of yeah. it kind of a thing. Well,
1: I'm sure, it, yeah, after the first year of trying to balance even just time with my, my wife, let alone a kid. Yeah. Time with my wife compared to what I'm spending – um, with the football team and everything, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just like, hey, there would have been fun and cool experiences, but I wouldn't have traded the fun and cool experiences that I would have had to give up yeah. with my wife for those.
0: Yeah, man. Dude, so you follow Gary V a a little bit? I do. Right? Uh-huh. So I heard him say, this was probably a couple months ago, somebody asked him if he had any regrets about um, passing on Uber. Uh, he had an opportunity to invest in Uber, which obviously would have made, made him a lot of money, and he passed on it. Uh-huh. And and he said something super weird, but I first, I connected with it. He said no, he didn't regret it because maybe just maybe had he invested in Uber, then that would have led to some speaking opportunity in India, and while he was in India, he would have been hit by a bus and he would have died. Yeah, and I heard him. I was like, <laughs> that's the weirdest thing to say, but I connect with that so much. Like it like it's impossible for me to have regrets because. Because uh, I think know. the same way. Like, yeah. who knows what would have happened had those three awesome things been followed by a terrible thing? Too, yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. You've got that. Pre- I mean, you could be in Green Bay right now playing ball, but it would have sucked. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or, or I could have broke my neck and been paralyzed my yeah. first semester back.
0: Yeah. Like, who knows? Who knows? But your life is good right now, so yeah. Why have regrets? Yeah. Yeah, dude, yeah. that's awesome. So then, did you jump right into Larson Waste after no. you graduated? Like, did you go to you go to college or?
1: No. Well, I.
0: I mean, was, before, obviously.
1: Yeah, I did the one semester before, and I was like a, uh, I was probably halfway through a semester since being back and not playing uh, football or anything. I was just going to school and working, mm-hmm. I was cleaning pools. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, this is absolutely useless for what <laughs> I want to do. Like, <laughs> 100%. Totally useless. Uh-huh. Um, I reckon because I was going because I knew I wanted to be in business. I didn't mm-hmm. know exactly, but I knew I loved business. I knew I loved running businesses. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm looking looking at this, and I'm like, I've got a teacher here, a professor that's never ran a business. Yep. I'm learning from a book that's ten years old. This just is not adding up. Like I, I'm yeah. not going to do this. And I had the opportunity to go sell door to door. Oh, okay, and that was something that kind of connected to me oddly enough because I'd been like, I'm never doing anything like that. Like, in my mind, I told myself a couple of times, yeah, um, because there's this connotation around it, but I ended up going and doing that for the next two years. Cool, um, selling door to door, and that is the best education. Like, anyone in a business program at college, mm-hmm. like, it is a have to. You better go sell door to door during yeah. the summer. Like, if you're gonna stay in college for whatever the reason might be, mm-hmm. cool. Get out door to door during the summer. Yeah, because it is um, the best business education you can get. I totally yeah. believe that.
0: I, I agree, and I th- I think there could be a line, and that line could be if you if you can do it without losing your soul, then <laughs> do it. Yeah, yeah. Right? If
1: you can keep integrity and everything the integrity around integrity
0: aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. because
1: yeah. there's definitely, and that was my big turnoff mm-hmm. is my experience with those type of peoples had been one that they weren't good people. Oh, okay. And so I didn't want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I didn't have the language to put around it, but going in of, hey, I want to learn from this. I would like to make enough money. Um, there was a lot of things I wish I could have been more intentional about. Mm-hmm. But overall, I, I had that attitude of, I'm not going to ever do anything that's, um, to me, unethical, right. out of integrity, does no line for me, inauthentic. I'm mm-hmm. going to stay who I am in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the lessons that came from that, yeah, and and then the ability—I mean—selling is just so important
0: in everything. Yeah, I don't care if you're a doctor; you need to be able to sit down and convince somebody that they need a surgery, or like it, it's such an important part of being a human being mm-hmm. is to be able to effectively communicate your vision to somebody to get them on board on that vision. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, so because of that, uh, not because of that, because there's guys that absolutely kill it. But my experience was that. I, I wasn't like the super highest perform salesman ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I I made enough to like squeak by, by with my family, but I uh-huh. wasn't super high performing. The second year was much better. We were able to be a lot more comfortable than the sec the um, first year, but it wasn't like um, you know you hear the stories of the guys going out making like three fifty in the summer yeah, and they're yeah. just <laughs> killing it and it's great like good on them. Um, that wasn't my experience, uh-huh. but the education I learned, man, I would have paid. I will have paid five hundred thousand dollars a year for that education because over the course of my life, it's going to make me millions of
0: dollars. I think for me, one of the biggest benefits of knocking doors was just uh, becoming comfortable with rejection Mm -hmm. and realizing that eventually people say yes. Yeah. Because I don't know if personality or or the fact that we're millennials or what, but like, personally, I'm uncomfortable with people thinking. Negatively of me.
1: Yeah. It's super, uh, same way. It's super important for me to be liked.
0: Yeah. Like, I need to I've be loved. That,
1: yeah. Like, everyone's got to love me. And yeah. so it was so hard. I couldn't, like, even fathom the idea of walking away from a door where, where a person's like, I don't like that person. Yeah. Which is so weird because they don't even know my name. Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> who cares? If they, even if they were, like, polite, like, no, thank you, that would hurt me. But most of the time they weren't. They were like, screw you. You're a bad <laughs> yeah. person. Get off. this, this <laughs> the middle of a Thursday. Yeah. And, and so being able to overcome that, for me, in, in entrepreneurship, I think was, I mean, instrumental to me having the guts to try stuff. Yeah. It sounds like you maybe had a kind of a similar experience.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. That, that was huge for me and being able to, like, actually tell people what I would like out of the whole situation mm-hmm. of the relationship. Yeah. Of like, hey, I'm here. This is what I'd like to see. I see this as a benefit on your side. Like, being able to articulate that, one, is so much easier in business. Mm -hmm. Um, B2B and and even B2C, but so much easier when you're not knocking on someone's
0: door. Interrupting them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But still to have the ability to knock on someone's door when they're not expecting you to be there Mm -hmm. and be able to communicate in a way where they appreciate that you're there or being okay that they hate that you're there. Yeah. Like, and walking away and be like, that's okay. Like, I intend to do whatever the outcome is. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like me, I can put my need to be liked aside because I'm committed to this intention, yeah. and so that that was huge for me to be able to get past that. So.
0: Yeah, so you get past it, you become this baller summer sales dude, <laughs> big old lifted truck. I'm sure. I I, <laughs> I don't know
1: if I'd ever called that I was at the baller state, but uh, <laughs> but no. Well,
0: Eventually, you but though. You got into Larson. Was there an in between summer sales and Larson ways? What uh, got you into a, the, the family business?
1: Yeah. So how it would work is I would sell during the summer and then I'd come back and I'd work cleaning pools during the winter. I had a cousin that owned a pool cleaning company in, oh, okay. in Phoenix, not clean pools. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was cleaning pools, and my parents they started discussing how they would like to go on a mission, mm. um, and that kind of the thought was okay. Well, we'll move up there. I'll. Uh, I'll do sales, and I'll just kind of make sure things are going how they ought to be. Oh, okay. Um, and then you'll get back, and they'll continue as usual, and, mm-hmm. and you know, we'll see what happens from there. Mm-hmm. With really didn't have in, any plan of really continuing with Larson Weiss, at least to that point, um, a big factor being my dad's a young guy. Yeah. A young, healthy, fit guy, a lot yeah. of energy. Like, he's not at the age of where you're like, yeah, that guy's ready to just start <laughs> fishing all day or whatever. Right. Um, but how it played out is we had just made an acquisition of a company um, right before my dad took off. And and with that whole mesh, something that wasn't foreseen by anyone was just the huge need of leadership in that mm. and, and a strong leader in that. And I wouldn't have classified myself as a strong leader, but the opportunity was there. And... A lot of reasons i saw an opportunity for myself and my family i saw an opportunity where not not even an opportunity but almost an obligation where my dad's business um this thing that's so important to me and that means so much to me because it provided the life that i grew up with mm-hmm. just needed something so i i just kind of filled that yeah and uh just did and start operating a ceo yeah and uh So that's kind of how we led, led up to where we were at today. And so when my dad got back, it's, it's been a lot of work and there's still a lot of work to do Mm -hmm. with that whole relationship and everything that goes into that. Anybody that's in a family business understands that there's a lot of work to ask go around that because there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot, there's a lot of things. We got some, some advice a week or two ago from someone that, that, advised us to really have two two different domains two different relationships that we've mm. got our father and son relationship and that we've got a uh, you know our ceo and um chairman of the board of directors re- relationship yeah. and that those have to be completely separate and and so there's a ton of work that goes into that but that's how i ended up running the company that was uh i don't know three four years ago oh, okay and and this acquisition was done at a really good time the market really blew up by then so and it was just a good business call that my dad made right before he took off yeah but you know i'm kind of rewinding bounce bouncing around but the growth was a lot more than any of us anticipated Mm -hmm. and so it just needed someone at the helm kind of navigating that yeah and there was so much of that that i did wrong (laughs) but man i the the lessons i was able to learn in that were they were awesome so
0: yeah so what's funny to me – or not funny, just interesting – is that you started – I mean, from a young age, you were involved with Larson Waste. Yeah. And then it sounds like there was some sort of transitionary period between you being you know, a sales director or whatever to being the CEO. But even with that leeway, even with your dad running the business, and I'm sure talking to you about it when as you were growing up, there was still a point where you had to leap into yeah. – Okay, here we go. And and you hit the ground running uh, even though you got you got a head start. You still there's a, there's a, a finite time of like boom, here we go. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you like emotionally to all of a sudden have the weight on your shoulders?
1: Yeah, that's that's something that uh, I don't think anyone that's never ran a business, owned a business or been in charge of a business um can experience or or understand really completely unless you've done it, because mm-hmm. um, it, it was that and and a lot of it was because I I went in and then recognized that I I needed to fill that role and I, and I went and went for it and man it it was super super heavy yeah where it's like geez like I'm the buck stops with me mm-hmm. um, and I'm responsible for. You know, at the time was like 35 employees and it's grown to 52 employees. And Man. and at first that was something that really almost crushed me mm-hmm. and, and paralyzed me a little bit because I spent a few months like literally every day going in into the office, wanting to really, really work hard, but literally doing nothing because I didn't know what to do. Oh. And, and like just feeling horrible. Huh. Absolutely horrible because knowing that there was so much to be done. Leadership needed to be guiding this company, knowing that, uh, you know, it was such an important thing to me, important thing to my whole family, because it, benefit, it benefited and still benefits my whole family. And I was the only one there to step up and, and do anything yeah. to help this along. And I was—I didn't know what to do.
0: And you couldn't, like— go down the hall to your operations manager and be like, bro, what do I do? Because you're the leader. He's yeah, like, you, you yeah. You lose faith, faith in your leader if he's the one. Like, bro, what do I do?
1: Yeah, and, and and for things like I will speak to our managers that they were awesome people and to get the job done, they would get the job done. Oh, yeah. But actual, actual leadership around that of mm-hmm. like this manager disagrees with this manager and this and that and what direction are we going to go with this and how we're going to solve these problems that's overarching, not just a certain uh, – Certain uh, thing, and it, and and then you throw in these finances and mm-hmm. and everything else that goes along with it. The culture, the insurance, like both sides of the spectrum. You know, the to use Gary V again, the clouds and the dirt. Like mm-hmm. both the clouds and the dirt, it was like all new, and someone needed to lead both of them.
0: Yeah, and and meanwhile, you were your kid, right? You were twenty early 20s right
1: yeah early 20s probably probably like 23
0: 24 yeah jumping into it yeah and
1: uh and having grown up working the way I did you know it was like I would, I would go in early and I would stay late doing nothing but like <laughs> I don't know what to do but I'm just gonna be here because yeah. like that's yeah that's that's what I know and then finally and I've I've mentioned this a few times just taking action and so many times it was taking action like oh that's the wrong direction and and the response i also got from the company as far as they respected the leadership and the momentum of taking mm. action where yeah. it's like hey at least he's trying something at least he's moving and that's what led to so much of what's going on huh. now of just taking action
0: just doing something yeah
1: well well and i think something that specific that relates to that is like the first meeting I had with you in this office, mm-hmm. I I knew my gut was telling me I had to do something around around telling our story with social media. Mm-hmm. I'd read books, I'd listen, and I didn't know how to approach it. But I start, I just started an Instagram page. Was doing stuff completely wrong, mm-hmm. but but it led me to setting up a meeting with you. Yeah, it's just domino effect.
0: Yeah, and it's not like you were perfect out of the gate with anything. But yeah. had you never taken a couple steps in that direction, then you wouldn't have found where you are right now. Yeah. Huh.
1: And that's why I have so much empathy for anybody that is at the point where they're paralyzed, whether it's stepping into a business, starting a business, making the leap from uh, what they're doing to what they really want to do. I totally have empathy for it because it wasn't like, oh, I had a day where I was out. It was probably like two or three months. Yeah. like I was literally paralyzed. Like, I don't know what to do.
0: Man, until I, finally yeah. it was
1: like, I've got to do something. And I wasn't even clear on what I wanted to do, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. It's it's really been within the last six months that I believe my vision of, of what I want to do with the company mm-hmm. has gotten significantly clear. Huh. Before that, it's been pretty fuzzy with an idea.
0: Mm-hmm. but
1: uh, So at that time, it definitely wasn't. But the, the action is what led to it.
0: So there's... Uh, while like growing a business, being dropped into a, an already substantial business, yeah, yeah, is definitely a weight on the shoulders. I I don't know if it's super unique. I I know a lot of people who feel overwhelmed to the point of uh, of being paralyzed, and mm-hmm. they can't make a decision in one way or another because they feel overwhelmed. And sometimes that's business related. Other times it's relationships, other, their kids, they, they've got, they've got health issues. What advice do you give to people who are overwhelmed to the point where they don't know what to do?
1: Again, I would say just do something.
0: Anything, anything. How do you figure that out? Like what, what's that
1: thing that you try? So I really think everyone's gut is telling them to do something and it's what Mm. they need to do. And it might not be the end goal of what it what it actually is, but what your gut's telling you right there will be a stepping stone. And I wish that was a lot more like tangible, but to me that is super practical. Yeah. Because that's what I've experienced every single time. Like if your gut's like, hey, do this, and there's gonna be a million stories that you tell yourself that come around it, clear out those stories and just be like my gut's telling me this. Mm-hmm. And like I said, a, a lot of people start from the place of like get clear on your intentions, which is a place, but I've been there where I'm like I, I don't even know like where to start with my intentions. Yeah. Like I'm I'm kind of copying other people maybe a little bit like mm-hmm. but really I think the key movement, the key thing is is movement. Yeah. Do something whether it's with a relationship whether it's whatever, and and sometimes it's even just starting the conversation. Yeah. Where, where if it is a relationship that you'd like to be better, just starting that conversation, not even knowing how it's going to be of like, hey, I just want to let you know, I don't know what this looks like, but I'd like it to look better. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know where this is going to take us, but this. And that's what I saw in the company is it was like, I don't know exactly. And, and remembering what it was, was... Where, in, From my position, to just give an example, because I think those are really good ways of people being able to connect, mm-hmm. is it was setting up systems in this company. Yeah. Because I knew that the company, it, it was a good running, successful company, mm-hmm. but I could recognize it that it was completely dependent on the managers and the people that were in the company mm-hmm. right then, where if one of those people weren't there for whatever reason— would be in a big trouble of hurt. Yeah. And so I could recognize I'd learned, I'd done these, these different things. I realized, okay, I've got to put it into place systems. Mm-hmm. Didn't even really know how to do that. And I changed like three or four times my tactic around that, but I just started doing that. Yeah. I go to a manager and Hey, we need systems around this. And a lot of times they're like, all right, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but I kept pushing forward with it. Like, Hey, this is what we can do. Yeah. Let me give you an example, this, 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 this. And and it led to something that really has been good. I think we're in a pretty dang good spot, mm-hmm. and and it led to everything else. So,
0: dude, I think that there, I, I connect with that on a spiritual level, bro. <laughs> because I think that, I think that anybody who's in a spot right now where they feel overwhelmed or they feel like they just, they know somewhere deep within them that they want a better life, but they don't know the next step to take. I think that you're right. I think everybody feels in their gut what they need to do. Yeah. I think they feel that they need to take you, one You've had step. an idea. Yeah. and But you told stories around that idea. You told stories around it. Or you let other people tell stories around it. And and it's not just like the dude down the street who you don't really care about. It's like it's your, your mom, your dad, your wife. Yeah, like it could your, be. Like, and, and yourself. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, oh, what if I do this and then my dad's probably going to think that's stupid. Uh, like you never even talk to your dad about it. You're just making up stories in your head.
1: Well, and even something simpler, let's say someone's out of shape, would like to get into shape, and they're like, I'm just going to start with 10 push-ups a day. Mm-hmm. It's like, what if my wife sees that and she makes a comment about yeah. it, and this, that, and the other. And it's like, just do.
0: Yeah. Just start Just Just doing. do what your gut is telling you to do. Mm-hmm. Why is that so hard for people to do? Dude, I, th- I think it's the stories. And, and
1: like, like, I... Yeah, I can't—I need to get better language around it, but it's it's the stories yeah. that we tell ourselves. There's so much—so many things in life that happen that we assign meaning to that has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. And so it's like, well, well if my wife sees this and makes this comment and then she's not going to love me, like— that's what subconsciously like the story that's going on.
0: Yeah, it has
1: nothing to do with reality yeah. at all.
0: And if they were to say that out loud, I think most people would realize how ridiculous and preposterous that sounds. Mm-hmm. But they don't. They just you don't really you don't really think things through. You just mm-hmm. tell these stories to yourself, like oh man. Oh, Nah, I'll but just, I'll but just the won't. thing
1: is, is if we're not awake to it and recognizing when those stories are being told, that's what runs our life. Yeah. And so we sit in a place like, man, I wish I would have had an opportunity. I wish I would have had this where you had a million of them, mm-hmm. but those stories ran your life instead.
0: Man, I wish there. Do you know of any like practical advice to keep yourself from not listening to those stupid stories to you tell yourself?
1: for for me what it's been is uh, the word i used was awake
0: uh-huh. and i
1: i honestly think that's what it is is being awake and, and what i mean by that is like slowing down and recognizing how you're feeling where what thoughts you're actually having uh-huh. because all this happens subconscious you don't uh-huh. actually go oh hey like if i'm doing a push up and my wife walks in she's going to make a comment that makes me feel that way like that doesn't happen you right. just think oh i'm not going to do those push ups like uh-huh. But being awake to, like, why did I have that idea and then dismiss it? Like, let me let me be awake to that and walk myself through what just happened there. Yeah. Like, really, and, and hopefully I don't go too far off the rails, but it comes back to creation. Mm-hmm. And, like, you create your outcome of whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And so I think people sit back, and if they recognize what they've created and what they want to create and and can recognize those things— Just like that of, hey, I I have the intention to get into shape. I just told myself this story that my wife won't love me if she sees me doing push-ups. Like, I am not going to let that run me because that will create, that's what's created me being where I'm at. Yeah. I want to create something different so I'm no longer going to let that story have any any, uh, influence on my life and moving forward.
0: Yeah. And I got to believe there's like a, With practice, you get better at it.
1: Yeah, I think think it's like anything. Yeah. Like first, it's mentally draining of focusing on that and thinking about that. And it's probably most of the time afterwards Mm -hmm. something happens. And then you can sit back and reflect and go, holy cow, that's what actually happened. But doing that practice over time, you'll see yourself once catch it before it happens. You're like, wait, hold on. I see what's happening here.
0: Mm -hmm. And then,
1: okay, you do that once and then you go a week where it's still... Afterwards, you're playing Monday morning quarterback going, okay, I'm seeing what happened there. I'm seeing what happened there. But then over time, it's four times out of your day. You're catching it beforehand, and then it just becomes your way of being. Yeah. If you recognize what's actually going on in every conversation and your thoughts and those types of things, so you can actually put that to bed. Uh-huh. Like, hey, I, I see you're doing that because it's never going to stop. I don't think that those stories ever stop. You can just go to be – Train yourself to be better and better at catching them sooner and sooner.
0: Yeah. So. You know, I started going to the gym again um, a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. And I go early. I go at 5 o'clock. Yeah. And that that was a leap for me from what I was doing the past year or so. Uh, Waking up earlier and going to the gym right away. Mm -hmm. And so what I told myself was that I wasn't going to judge myself on my performance at the gym. I was just going to make sure I got there. Yeah. And so I'd go, and I'd I'd go like 20 minutes Mm -hmm. or maybe 30. I wouldn't go that, that long, and even while I was there, I wouldn't even go that hard, but I'd go. And after like a week, I realized that the hardest part of that was thinking, man, these other people at the gym that see me not working hard and see me come in after after they get there and leave before they, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, oh, that at, kid was only here for 20 minutes. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like, th- those were the thoughts that were making me want to stay home. Mm-hmm. These people who probably didn't even realize that I was there or who I was, like, no one, no one's watching me at the gym, but I was telling myself this story of, like, Oh, people are gonna think less of me because I'm only here for 25 minutes.
1: Yeah, wait, no one cares. Yeah, that that's a funny thing. Like, <laughs> no one cares about you that much. Nobody. <laughs> but but, dude, but that. but yet I
0: almost it almost derailed my goal. Even though I I think I'm I'm pretty good at doing things despite the judgment of others, uh-huh. and I still almost fell into this stupid trap of thinking people were were paying attention or whatever it was. So I and, and once I realized that, I was like, okay, that's stupid. And I haven't had a problem, but I think that a lot of people fall into that, that storytelling trap. And if they just could do it anyways, once then they can do it anyways a second time. Exactly.
1: Well, and, and that's what I'd like to bring it back to as far as practicality of recognizing how powerful that one time was. Yeah. Like that one time that you decide like that story doesn't matter because it has no bearing on reality. And if it does, I don't care. This mm-hmm. is what I intend to do. Just like the knocking doors, like,
0: yeah. like,
1: hey, maybe that person really does hate you. <laughs> Chances are he yelled at you, turned around, and started playing with his kids and never going to remember you again. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter if, if those are your intentions. Don't let that run you. So I, yeah. I think that's awesome, dude. That's super powerful. And I think people need to start recognizing those powerful things, uh, coming back, like I said, to the practical, to the tactic, recognizing those powerful things. So Yeah.
0: Well dude this has been this has been fun for me to hear your story and get some practical advice out of it too. I'll, uh yeah.
1: It's been awesome to uh to not be the host dude. It's, <laughs> I
0: appreciate you sitting down with me Saturday morning, man. Taking that weight off your shoulders. Oh yeah. Well, I'll turn it back over to you, man. End it it however you want. Maybe we turn it over to Titan here. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, dude, just like always, we'll give give a shout-out to our uh, sponsor, Larson Waste, always making this happen. Dude, stop wrecking things.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's the gun safe he's playing with over there. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. All right. Peace. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast today. If you enjoyed this, feel free to give us a rating on iTunes and subscribe to hear more stories from entrepreneurs who are starting businesses in small towns. See you later.